the visit to the grotto had produced an identity, an ex-wife, and a handful of names that might be characterised as Beau Gransberg's friends, or at least acquaintances. The manager of the refuge for the homeless, Camilla Olofsson, looked at the photograph of the dead man for a long time. Bossa was a considerate man, she said at last, but neither Ola Hava or Beatrice Anderson took her words at face value. It was a common reaction. Very few people wanted to say anything bad about a dead person. Instead, their positive qualities would usually be emphasised. He was considerate, the manager repeated. He helped out. He was handy, too. Nothing was left undone. I remember when we were going to... It doesn't matter. Ola Hava stepped aside. Beatrice took a step closer. No one deserves to die like that, she said. Camilla Olofsson nodded resolutely. Can you help us? We need a list of names, persons who maybe can tell us about Bossa, what he did, who he associated with, what plans he had. Plans? The manager said flatly, fixing her gaze somewhere far away. He was happier recently, she said at last. It seemed more positive, life, I mean. He came here a couple of years ago when he was really bad off. Then it went up and down. But now he was happier, Beatrice observed. Did he say anything that explained? No, nothing. Bossa didn't talk much. He kept most of it inside. He was trying, you could see that, but it was a struggle. He never recovered after the divorce, and then the injury, of course. What injury? I don't really know how it happened, but he fell on the job. He was a construction worker. He broke his one arm and shoulder. Sometimes I could see that he was in pain. Do you know the name of his ex? Gunilla Lange. I think she lives in Svartbakken. I have a brother who lives up there, and I've seen Gunilla around there a few times. She's been here a few times, dropped off clothes and that sort of thing. I liked her. I think she cared about Bossa too. She asked how he was doing. Maybe he was too proud to take any help from her, so she donated clothes here instead. Maybe they were his old clothes, what do I know? He never talked about a job or flats or anything like that? Camilla Olofsson looked at the police officer. Job and flat, she sniffed. <laughs> you don't know what life is like for these men and women. No, I don't, said Beatrice, but you do. That's why I'm talking with you. Why the hell does he have to die for all of you to get interested, said Camilla. Besides Ganilla Langer's name, they also got a list of a few names, five men and a woman. According to Camilla Olofsson, it was likely that the men on the list would show up at the grotto later in the day. Beatrice Anderson phoned Bergland, who promised to spend a few hours of the afternoon at the grotto, to possibly make contact with a few people who could provide information about Bossa's recent doings. Am I grieving for him? She had repeated the question silently to herself since the police left her. They must have talked at least a couple of hours, then shook hands and said goodbye. The female police officer was sweet, complimented her on the curtains, asked whether she had sewn them herself. Not everyone noticed such things. The other one's gaze had wandered, as if he was ashamed or afraid of her. Yes, I'm grieving, she decided. I am grieving the life we could have had.
For sixteen years they had been married, for two periods, like a football match. A long first half, which lasted twelve years, was good. Then came the accident. They had no children, she mourned for that. Maybe him too. Of course, that's how it was. He loved kids. During all those years they had barely talked about it. They were both responsible for their childlessness, so why should they gab about it? She knew, purely rationally, that it was idiotic. But after the abortion, when she was nineteen, an intervention that he had supported, she saw childlessness as a punishment. She, they, had a chance and they blew it. Would things have been different with the child?